we talk about the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and that's because they hang around each other. And once they've learned how to do it, they just keep doing it, whether it's rich or poor. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guests, I want to mention FunNet Flip because FunNet Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on, uh, or the main two things, are the deal and the money. Uh, so if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, uh, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt. And uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, so go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health and they make the whole process really easy and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you and on average they can save you 400 bucks a year and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Ferris, and we've got a wonderful guest with us today. This show is all about helping you move your real estate investing business forward, cutting out all that fluffy stuff we've interviewed Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Poor Dad, who our guest is very familiar with, as well as Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank and many other successful entrepreneurs, professionals, and uh, real estate investors and related individuals. With us today, we've got the author of, she's an author of many of my favorite books. Really excited to talk to her, Sharon Letcher. How are you doing, Sharon? Doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on the show. And this is a special segment of the show called Skill Set Sunday. And you and I were talking a little bit before we started airing, and you had mentioned the skill you'd like to talk about today is financial mastery. And I said, well, that's going to be a very tall task to cover, but you are uh, obviously very ambitious or else you wouldn't have authored so many successful books. So I have faith in you being able to to nail it. A little bit about Sharon really quickly, just to set the stage. She has co-authored many of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad books. She has uh, co-authored one of my favorite books, Three Feet from Gold. Uh, It's part of the Napoleon Hill Foundation's work. 
And then uh, most recently, I think most recently, but but let me know. I know you worked with the Napoleon Hill Foundation to write Think and Grow Rich for Women, and you're a business strategist and a mentor. So uh, with that being said, Sharon, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background, and then we'll get into financial mastery? Well, certainly. Thank you, Joe. Yes, I'll try and give you the short version because I'm been around a while. I started my career as a CPA and um, at the ripe old age of 25, the entrepreneurial bug bit me. And so I started building companies. And from that point forward, I started a woman's magazine. I helped the inventor of the talking children's books, books that have the sound strips down the side. We built that industry globally um, from 1987 to 1991 when we sold it mid-year. And um, that's when I actually relocated, retired, came down to Arizona. And my oldest son in 1992 went off to college and got into credit card debt. I was pretty mad at him, but I was more mad at myself. I had taught him the same things my parents had taught me, but um, he was with me when I used my credit cards, not when I paid them off every month. So he ended up getting himself into a little bit of debt and had to work himself out. He's as passionate as I am now about teaching people about becoming masters of their money. But that was December of 1992, and that's when I dedicated my career to financial education. Fast forward a few years, Robert Kiyosaki came in to meet my husband because he had this idea for a board game but didn't really know how to make it commercialized. Mike introduced him to me. We I started working with him on the board game Cash Flow. He, you know, he wanted to charge $200 for it. And I said, maybe we should have something less expensive. So together we wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We formed the company. We were partners for 10 years, 15 books in that series we wrote together. And in 2007, our missions were really no longer aligned. He wanted to go into franchising. I didn't agree with the model. So I stepped away from the Rich Dad organization in 2007, and that's when President Bush asked me to be on the first President's Advisory Council for Financial Literacy. I served both Bush and Obama, and then that's when I got the call from the Napoleon Hill Foundation as well. So I tell people sometimes you have to close one door for other doors of opportunity to open. But my passion is as strong today as it was in December of 1992 to make sure people have the tools they need to become a master of their money, because at the end of the day, you're either a slave or a master of your money. And certainly the people that are listening to you, Joe, have got, have understood that because investing in real estate is one way to become a master of your money. Now, you mentioned your passion about helping others, you know, identify what those tools are that they need to master their money. And, you know, from your background, from being a an accountant all the way to now, clearly there's an underlying theme of numbers and personal empowerment, it seems like at least, what would you say are the tools that we need to have in order to master our money? We'll start broad and then we can get into some specifics. Well, the first step is understand where you are financially. Most people are afraid of money because our parents told us money doesn't grow on trees, we can't afford it. So even as children, we had these negative imprints. And so subconsciously, we have fear as it relates to money, fear of never making it enough. And when we make it, fear of losing it. And so part of it is understanding the first step is my father once told me a map doesn't do you any good if you don't know where you are and where you want to go. And so there's empowerment just in knowing where you are, even if it's not a very pretty picture. 
So understand where you are financially and then let's chart a course to get you out of debt or get you to the point where your debt is good debt. And that is certainly a lot of good debt is related to real estate where your tenant is paying you more, more rent than you have to pay out in mortgage and other expenses. But it's important to understand how to use money to support you as opposed to money creating stress and anxiety because you've gotten yourself into debt. When you're looking at where you are, what are the things that you should be asking yourself? Because you can typically make numbers show any type of pattern that you want, right? Like you could have $1,000 or $100,000 in the bank and not necessarily to be telling the whole story if you don't look at the whole picture. So are, are there any particular questions that you should ask yourself when you're identifying and doing that self-assessment? Well, you need to look and see um, how you've spent your money. Let's say, you know, certainly a when you're looking at tax time, you're pulling all your records together. And there are lots of places to find national averages. And so figure out where how you spent your money, what percentage, let's say you, you spent 40, 45% on housing. Well, the national average is 30 to 35%. So that automatically tells you that you um, probably should pay attention to where you're spending your money in housing. And maybe you need to find an alternative that's going to reduce that cost to you. Because at the end of the day, each and every every dollar you get, it's not what you do for your paycheck, it's what you do with your paycheck. If you're an entrepreneur, it's what you do with the amount of money that you keep. And um, if you can buy assets, create assets, build assets, that's what it's all about. That's where financial independence comes from. It's not a salary, it's an asset column. And so really assess not just your income statement, how much money is coming in and how much is going out, but what you're doing on your balance statement, a lot of people, you know, they have to put the old rich dad, poor dad. We had we we talked about this in, in pictures as opposed to numbers. You know, when you have money coming in and out, you're just that's your income statement. When you end up finding the love of your life and you get married, and you get debt related to cars and TVs. All of a sudden you've got money coming in, expenses and debt, but you still don't have assets. And so each and every one of us, that's, you know, I, I tell many people every time I talk, the sexiest word I'm alive on the planet is the word asset, because assets are what provide you freedom. And you, it, most of us operate as our only asset. If we don't get out of bed and go to work, we don't get paid. And so the opportunity to create, build, or purchase assets, such as income-producing real estate, is truly how you build financial wealth and financial independence. You mentioned the first step is to understand where you are. Once you identify and have a true self-assessment of where you are, then what do you do? Well, you literally compare how you've been spending money to the national averages so you can identify what area you may need to work on first. And then you start saying, how can I reduce my expenses? Or better yet, let's think about how we can increase our revenues, increase our income. Because nobody's going to do it for you. It's taking that action. You know, I talk about in Three Feet from Gold, thank you for complimenting me on that book. We talk about the personal success equation. It's taking your passion and combining it with your talent. Now, you may not be passionate about real estate, but you should be passionate about what it does for you from an asset perspective. Passion plus um, your talent. And then finding the right associations times A. Look at your network. Are you hanging around with the right people? Are you hanging around with people who want you to be successful? Check out your associations and then take the right action. Are you taking the actions that are going to get you where you want to go? If not, you need to focus on how you're spending your time, what you're doing. 
And then the last S element is plus F for faith, having faith in yourself, having faith in what you're doing, having faith that you are taking the steps necessary, that uh, what you're doing is the way to the right pathway. So as again, passion plus talent times A association times A, the right action plus F faith. And so each and every one of us can look at our own personal success equation and say, where is it that I need to bolster it? Where do I need to strengthen it? so that I can create the financial foundation for myself and my family and my future. Um, And again, the choice is each and every one of us. We are each where we are today based on the choices we've made before today. So if you want to be somewhere different, you need to make different choices today and in the future. When you were talking during the beginning and you you mentioned together you wrote for the you know Rich Dad Poor Dad series 15 uh, different books then you stepped away because there was a difference of opinion on the franchise thing and then you mentioned um all the different opportunities that came of that afterwards and you said sometimes you have to close one door for other doors of opportunity to open what was your mentality like whenever you were closing that door And how did you have the faith at that time? And did you have this personal success formula or equation that you talk about in Three Feet from Gold? And were you, is that a conscious application or is it more just kind of ingrained in you and you just were going about it naturally? Or did you learn about that equation at that moment? It's a lot of questions, Joe. Let me, um, I'll try and address it um, this way. When I made that decision to leave Richard, I've never looked back. It was the right decision for me. But there was a lot of fear, a lot of faith, all at the same time. So the issue was how did I deal with the fear? Well, um, sometimes I dealt very well with it. Other times, not so much. But at the same time, I always had faith that I was making the decision that was right for me. You know, I learned a very valuable lesson, and that is you cannot control someone else. You can only control how you react to them. And that's a lesson that has been, you know, served me well since then. Um, And something that each and every one of us needs to think about what we want. And um, I had had too much stress in a situation that I didn't, I wasn't no longer in alignment with my own personal mission. So stepping away from that situation was freeing to me. And so I said, I've never regretted that decision, but it was a bumpy ride for a while afterwards until we settled. And so it was something that, uh, you know, you just have, sometimes you have to make a decision and certainly Napoleon Hill said it worst, best out of every adversity, every failure comes a seed of an equal or greater benefit. I would have not gotten the call from President Bush had I still been at Rich Dad. I would have not gotten the call from the Napoleon Hill Foundation asking me to step into the largest personal development brand in the world. Now, I just built the largest personal finance um, brand But to be asked to step into the Napoleon Hill brand, which is a book I read when I was 19, was a huge honor. And again, that would not have happened. I would not have had that honor had I still been at Rich Dad. So sometimes difficult decisions at the time become a gift later on. And thank you for answering the 12 different questions that I asked you so gracefully. (laughs) (laughs) You know, with the, the Napoleon Hill Foundation, What has been, well, first off, you've given three steps to financial mastery and and you've talked a lot about that. Are there other steps that we need to cover or can we talk a little about the Napoleon Hill Foundation and kind of different things around that? Well, I, I guess the issue of success, the definition of success, a lot of people define that based on how much money you have or your net worth. 
I truly think the definition of success is how you feel about yourself and then when you look in the mirror and it has nothing to do with your reflection. It's how you feel about your where you are and what you do. Um, and it's so important that people think when we concentrate so much on money, we sometimes lose sight of impact. And I think it's important that we understand, for instance, raise, being raised, my father would ask me each night, have you added value to someone's life today? Now, a lot of us, you know, we're, what can we get? What can we get? I say, let's take a moment and see what we can give. Because when you give, it does, you, you do get repaid. Maybe not instantly, but down the road, you definitely get more than what you've given. And so I think it's very important. But financial mastery is all in how you look at money. Are you a master of your money or a slave to it? And take those steps. A lot of us put our heads in the sand and take account of where you are, make constructive steps to start focusing on where you are and where you want to be and start focusing on your asset column. Um, you know, certainly in real estate, there's the good debt versus bad debt. Good debt helps you expand and build assets that generate revenue more than the debt related to them. And so it's a wonderful way, again, to build your wealth. But at the end of the day, focus on cash flow. You know, what's what's giving you revenue? What's helping you expand your means instead of living below your means? And no one can answer that but you. And the issue is, let's get rid of the stress related to money and become empowered because you've become a master of your money. So what can I tell you about the Napoleon Hill Foundation? Well, I have a couple of follow-up questions on, on what you just mentioned. You mentioned the how you feel about yourself and where you are and what you want to do. That's really success versus you know the dollars and cents. If somebody doesn't have money, what is the best way to help reinforce that whenever they're thinking, well, that's easy for someone to say who has money. How do I have that mentality when I don't have money? Well, you have to start somewhere. And you can, um, if you don't have wealth at this point, if you don't have what you want, then you need to chart a course for how to get it. But you need to have confidence in yourself. Start volunteering. You know, we talk about the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And that's because they hang around each other. And once they've learned how to do it, they just keep doing it, whether it's rich or poor. And so if you want to change your circumstances, change how you spend your time. Um, if you don't have a network of people who are successful, then start volunteering for some charities. That's where the donors are. That's where you'll enter, you know, you'll start seeing those people. Start going to free events. Start reading books on success and independence. Um, you know, it's up to you to spend your time as wisely as possible. So look at your environment. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? And find yourself, find a way to hang out with people who are successful and you will start learning from them. And there will also be doors of opportunity open to you if you are there and they see you are capable and competent. But you need to put yourself in those positions. What have been some of the best ways that you've spent your time that have tied back to putting yourself in position to be financially successful? Well, certainly when I met the inventor of the Ch Talking Children's book, we were both serving on the board of the American Cancer Society in the state of Wisconsin, and we became friends. He started talking about what he was doing, and my kids at that point in time, they and their friends didn't really like to read, and I said, that's fabulous. And so we were we started working together. And so again, I walked the talk. I was uh, 
from my heart working for the American Cancer Society, but it gave me the opportunity to meet him and to become friends with him and to find out what he was doing. And it became a, a, a wonderful business opportunity for me. I think each and every one of us, you know, you it is important who you know and where you are. And being in the right place at the right time, we hear that, we think that's dumb luck. No, it's not. It's is by allowing yourself to expand your horizons and be giving to others in areas that mean something to you. you know, my mother had breast cancer, so I was working for the American Cancer Society because I wanted to give back. And as part of that, I met this man, and we became very good friends. And certainly the business opportunity was, was wonderful. But at the same time, I didn't go looking for a business partner, but we do talk to people and say, you know, that's a way for you to expand your horizon. Find a, a, a cause that's important to you and go out and establish that. If you are in a community where there are free seminars, webinars, whatever, just get, make yourself available to this kind of content. But again, it's, again, it's the one-on-one, you know, going to networking groups, associations where you can meet people in your community is a great way to establish your network and to meet those people that could be your best next business partner. It doesn't have to be in the Napoleon Hill Foundation. It could be any of any of the books that you've you've written or participated in. What is the favorite book that you've done and why? Great question. I've written 21 and they've all been international bestsellers, but I would probably say the one that impacted my life the most is Outwitting the Devil, which you and I talked about briefly before the call. It was a manuscript that Napoleon Hill wrote in 1938. He intended it to be the sequel to Think and Grow Rich. And um, the title scared his wife to death, so she forbid it to be published. So it was locked away, hidden away in a vault for 73 years. And I had the, the absolute honor of being asked to look at it. I was probably only the fourth or fifth person to ever read it. And it was a hand-typed manuscript, and Napoleon Hill had written comments in it, editing. It was amazing. So I ran away to the beach for a couple of days to read it, and it was absolutely transformed my life. It's called Outwitting the Devil. And what it was was at the end of Thinking Grow Rich, for those of you who have read it, you know, the very last chapter is The Six Ghosts of Fear. Well, you know, he felt that he didn't do enough on that. And so he sat down and, and... and of course, Thinking Grow Rich was a 25-year effort on his part. But when he published it, he was frustrated because he said, even though people know what they're supposed to do to become successful, they don't do it. And so he, in 1938, he sat down and basically wrote this in just a few short months. And it's an interrogation of the devil. It's not an interview. It's an interrogation. Uh, imagine A Few Good Men, the movie, you know, he, the devil's on the witness stand. And what it does, he says, you, you can believe I was talking to the real devil or an imaginary devil. It's up to you, the reader, to determine that. Whatever works for you is fine, as long as you derive some benefit from what we share. And he goes into seven steps of how you can outwit the negativity in your life. He talks about how many of us get lulled into this complacency, into something called drifting, where we're really not focused on what we want out of life. And the book itself was hugely impactful to me. It helps identify those things that happen to us as children that really get us into these subconscious reactions to things. I'm sure everybody on this call will can recognize a time in your life when you said something and you go, whoa, where'd that come from? Or you overreacted to a situation. That comes from deep-seated issues in our subconscious that uh, 
a lot of us have those kind of things there as it relates to money. Like I said, your parents say we can't afford it. You think for the Rockefellers, money doesn't grow on trees. All of those elements impact us, and we don't even realize it until we start to having those types of fears and reactions about money. And so the book itself it talks about all aspects of life, politics, everything. And it really is an eye-opener, and our hope in bringing it out was to really reach Gen Y because a lot of Gen Yers didn't even know who Napoleon Hill was, some old white guy. And we wanted to kind of re-engage. And I think, you know, I said there's a higher power at work that kept it from coming out in 1938. Um, We released it in 2011, and it was a huge honor for me. It helped me change my life. And we've had incredible feedback, incredible response, and, and particularly within the Gen Y because it truly is kind of in your face a little bit, kind of kicks you in the you-know-what, but it talks about how taking control of your life is up to you and how you can do it and to get rid of that fear. And you you mentioned many times that it transformed your life, it helped you change your life. What specifically was the change? It helped me deal better with my own children or other people that I saw in states of fear. It helped me figure out how to communicate more effectively with them. It also helped me just face my own issues related to weight. I dropped 40 pounds after reading the book. So there are lots of things about the book that really open your eyes about things. A lot of people are fighting their own internal demons, and they're not going to listen to you. You hear the term, talk to your blue in the face, and they're not going to listen to you. But Giving them the gift of outwitting the devil and letting them read it on their own, it allows them to get the message on their own um, because it really is it, it's very impactful to people who are drifting, which is a term in the book, talking about people who don't have that definite aim. They're not working towards success. They're just kind of existing and going with the flow. Those are people that are, he calls drifters. And it helps wake some of them up and realize that they have to take control of their own lives and for me, it was, it's a great uh, reminder that how we can communicate with people that are, that are feeling lost. Well, Sharon, is there anything else that you want to mention to the best ever listeners that we haven't talked about? Well, I think we've talked about choices, but I say, you know, we're each the CEO of our own personal lives and we are in the driver's seat. Our hands are on the steering wheel, our foot's on the accelerator and windshield is really big because you can go any, any direction you want to go in. The rear view mirror is very small because you're only supposed to learn from the past, not let it define you. And so refocus, um, hands on the steering wheel, foot on the accelerator and make a plan for where you want to be in life and go for it because each and every one of us are the masters of our destiny and we are all capable of creating the success we deserve. Completely inspiring conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sharon, and talking about, you know, first we talked about the ways to achieve financial mastery, and you went through the three steps. First, understand where you are. Second, compare that to the national averages. And then third, just see how you can optimize it, increase revenues and income with the focus on assets. And then, you know, talking through the personal success equation that you mentioned, that's referenced in Three Feet from Gold, one of my all-time favorite books, and then talking through the how success really is, how you feel about yourself, and where you are and what you want to do 
Now, with that being said, you gave some really specific tactical things that the best ever listeners and myself can go out and do to surround ourselves with the wealth that we need to to chart our course, as you as you said. So once, make sure that we're volunteering for charities. You gave that specific example of volunteering with your heart, with a cause that was near and dear to you based on your mom having breast cancer and you being on the board for American Cancer Society. And then a relationship, a friendship came out of that in a genuine and authentic and natural way through that. And that that ended up being a very successful business venture. And then talking about outwitting the devil as well, the impact it's had on your personal life and the drifting aspect of that, which I have gotten to. I mentioned before we started talking, I'm on about page 50 to 60 in the book, really enjoying it. And that has been, that is starting to be covered in the book. And I was resonating with that certainly. So, and then lastly, when you closed out on the being the CEO of our personal lives, thank you so much. Really appreciate spending time with the best ever listeners. And lastly, what's the best ever place for listeners to reach you? Well, thank you so much, Joe. Um, you can come to SharonLector.com, S-H-A-R-O-N-L-E-C-H-T-E-R. I have a new mobile app, Sharon Lecter. Download that. It's for free. I also have a podcast called Your Money, Your Business, Your Life, also free. You can reach me on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Sharon Lecter. Pretty easy to find me. So please connect with me. Would love to hear from each and every one of you. And I wish you all the greatest success. You are all fabulous. And so are you, Joe. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Sharon. Have a best ever week. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health and they make the whole process really easy and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you and on average, they can save you 400 bucks a year and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash best ever.